Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience. Instead of uh, shopping at dozens of sites across the web, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the entire internet for best deals, for the best deals to find your favorite game, concert, or show, and rates them on a scale from 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. A green dot marks great deals, yellow dot good deals, red dots not so good. Use promo code ACAA at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. So what are you waiting for? For SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. The NFL preseason kicks off on August 1st with the Hall of Fame game. And soon after that, we'll have regular season NFL and college football. That means it's time to make an account at the best online sports book known to man. That's right. I'm talking about MyBookie. With an easy, no-hassle mobile site, 24-7 customer service, and bets on every sport and prop imaginable, MyBookie provides a fun, safe betting experience. And if you deposit today, MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus. That's right. You put in 100, they'll give you 50. You put in 1,000, they'll give you 500. It's just that easy. So go to MyBookie.ag and sign up today with promo code BEARS100. That's promo code BEARS100. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And my guest today is the NFL Network's Adam Rank. I've uh, been trying to get Adam on the show for quite some time. Uh, we just kept missing each other, kept this, you know, uh, it wasn't a good time or, you know, it just, it didn't quite seem to work out. And then finally, the stars aligned, the planets aligned, and here we are, Adam Rank from the NFL Network, come on the show. And, and uh, it was a very interesting conversation uh, that Adam and I had. I had a great time uh, talking to him. I pretty much ignored almost everything that I had written down in, in in my notes and just let the conversation take itself uh where it went and and it was a lot of fun uh being able to to do that uh with him we did talk about the bears uh we talked about uh madden and then the the rankings of the players we talked a bit about wrestling towards the end and uh we also talked about his show uh the one this coming sunday on the 21st uh at the beat kitchen uh in chicago uh you can go to beatkitchen.com to check for tickets and uh, see what you can get your hands on. Tickets are going fast, uh, as Adam says, uh, during the uh, interview itself. You want to make sure that you get out there to catch this uh, this one time that he's going to actually be uh, in Chicago on the 21st. So um, we do talk about the show. We talk a bit about fantasy football and why I don't play uh, fantasy football uh, anymore. And um, we cover a lot. 
we cover a lot. So this is a lot of fun. Had a great time uh, talking to Adam and uh, don't have any any news or notes or anything to give to you guys. So we're going to dive right in. Myself and Adam Rank from the NFL Network uh, just having a good old fun chat, talking about our beloved Chicago Bears and just about anything else we could stumble across. As the offseason finally comes to a close, we slowly but surely drag our way to training camp, then the preseason, and then this most anticipated 2019 uh, Chicago Bear uh, season. And and I, to, to close up this offseason, I thought I'd have some special guests to, to talk about the Bears in various ways. And one of those special people I wanted to have on the show was none other than NFL Network's Adam Rank. Adam, welcome to the show, man. It's a long time coming. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I know I've been begging long enough for you to finally <laughs> give me an opportunity to come on. And you're like, fine, come on and do five minutes or something. But you know what? I have a feeling I'm going to stretch that a little bit. So I got to tell you, the pleasure is all mine. Adam, I'm feeling generous with my time tonight. So I think that I'll give you six. Can you can you do six? OK. All right. Let's work uh, in honor in honor of Jay Cutler. There we go. Of course. Right. By the way, can I say one thing? Of course. Like if you don't if you don't like Jay Cutler by now, and I'm talking about watching Total Cavalry or whatever oh, whatever wow. his wife's reality TV show is, right? That is such a breakout moment because you know, like, listen, I might know a little bit something about television. No, I'm kidding, I don't. But I do know that the producers were probably filming it, and Kristen's great, her coworkers not so much. So I think when Jay sauntered into a shot or two and everybody really, you know, got behind it that Mm -hmm. they're like, Oh, this guy's got to be on the show a lot more, but I know that's not what what I was here to talk about. Right. But but I just wanted to put it out there. No, I agree. He was like unintentional comedy gold, uh, for that show. Just, and it's just him being him. That's how he'd be acting if the cameras weren't even there. Yeah, no, that's just what Jake, that's what he's all about. That's who he is. And that's, and you can see, and I think it's funny because Kristen's friends have that. They all love him, but they all get frustrated by him. And I'm like, yeah, now you know how Bears felt. Exactly. Or Bears fans felt. I for, we for, love him. For nine seasons. We love the guy, but we didn't like him very much kind of thing. Like a You're family like, member. On, like a family yeah. member. You love him, but you don't really like him from time to time. So it's uh, that's really what it was all about. And uh, speaking well, we of. Always, yeah. I mean. Go ahead. But we always have like. But we always have friends or somebody that yeah. we have the highest expectations for. <laughs> and when they don't come through in an unreasonable way, we get upset at them. And then we have people who are just derelicts who we give chance after chance to, and that's right. no problem. But that probably says more about us. Right. So, Adam, you and I were uh, able to connect, or I was able to connect to you through the Angels podcast that we have here on the Armchair um, <laughs> Network. So my question, because I thought it was so odd when I saw that. It's like Adam Rank on an Angels podcast. I thought he was a Chicago guy. So, But when I looked into it, I saw that you were born in Chicago but raised in California. Because so, I was wondering, are you a Chicago guy who was, who was in L.A. or were you an L.A. guy who was a Chicago fan? I couldn't really figure out which one it was. Right, and it's very confusing to a lot of people, and I always feel like I have to explain it, but it's a phenomenon that kind of lends itself to Southern California, a place that, not, that did not have 
professional football for 22 years. Right. Now, I was born in Schomburg, or actually the hospital is in Park Ridge. And we lived there for about five years. My dad was a Navy vet. Okay. My mom's from Oswego. My dad's from Sterling, which is probably actually closer to Davenport than it is Chicago. But when he was done with the Navy, he was like, yeah, I'm out. Like, we're, we're not they – weren't, they weren't excited about the snow. And they had had a, a couple of stops in California. But we did take a little bit of a detour going down to Atlanta when he got out of the Navy. And then first winter we were there, ice storm. He's like, all right, enough of this. We're going to California. (laughs) So I grew up out here. My sisters are more Chicago people than me. Okay. I'm a I'm a kind of a California person. I mean, I do like the the Lakers and the Kings, which is really weird because Jonathan Quick one time saw me at a Super Bowl and I was wearing a Bears hat and he really was starting to give me a hard time. And I'm like, bro, like I root for you guys. Like, don't don't harangue like you're I told him like you're a Giants fan. Can I get mad at you? Pretend right. like you're a Rangers fan or something? So I know that was a that was a sick humble brag, by the way, that I snuck in there. I thought that was pretty pretty special. Very nice. But you know, but I grew up uh, an Angels guy. My dad, uh my dad's a Cubs guy. Okay. For my family, they're all Cubs Cubs people. So my dad was kind of like he was cool with like, oh yeah, I root for the Angels American League. I hate the White Sox, so it's all good. Right. And uh, I do, I do have. Well, I don't have an allegiance to the Cubs anymore because mm. I felt like once they won the World Series, and I'm not out there every day. I'm like, I can't. I was happy, mm-hmm. like I was, you know, I was very thrilled for everybody. But I'm like, I, I really didn't suffer through this, so I, I feel terrible trying to take any sort of glory away. So the Cubs jackets in the closet or whatever. It's my grandfather's Cubs jacket. Mm. So I'm like, ah, I'm not going to even play this. I mean, I rooted for them to beat the Dodgers because the Dodgers suck. So that was always a, <laughs> a huge thing for me. But no, so I rooted, you know, and actually when I was a real little kid, I was a, I was a Rams fan and then they moved and I'm like, well, I'm not going to root for some team that's in St. Louis because that's garbage. And then my family eventually pressured me into being a Bears. So I was kind of coerced, not coerced, but. It's funny, too, because, like, I had lived through all the Bears stuff. Like, I remember my dad being super upset about Walter Payton not getting a getting a uh, touchdown in the Super Bowl. Okay. I remember how pissed he was at Daryl Green in 88. So I lived the Fog Bowl and all these. So I lived through these moments. So it right. wasn't foreign to me. I mean, I can recall them, and it's that way. But you know what? It is cool because, you know, my children – don't have they're california born so they don't really have a connection to chicago so i try to keep that that bond with the family going by making them be bears fans there was it's touch and go i mean okay. if the rams keep playing at the clip that they're doing you know my boy's gonna be one my girl's four so i don't want the rams to continue to do well because i don't want them i don't want them to sneak into a you know into a situation where they start trying to to glom onto the rams so it's it's a fight, but it's one of those things. And I know it's weird, and it's a Southern California thing where you root for the local teams in every sport except for football, and then you root for the the football team that your parents like. So right. That's- well, you know, you mentioned Davenport. Uh, I lived in Davenport for twenty years, and it is a hub for fan bases out there. 
because it's three hours west of Chicago. It's about four hours from St. Louis. It's a few hours from Minnesota, a few hours from Green Bay. So it was a melting pot of fan bases. Thankfully, there is a God in heaven, and it was a Chicago market, so we got Bears games, so I didn't have to suffer uh, through that in the days before sports bars and Sunday ticket and everything. But when I worked at the casino boat out there, I, you know, there was a Raiders fan, there's a Bills fan, the Steelers, Cowboys, Vikings, Packers, what have you. It's just, like I said, a complete melting pot of, of fan bases because they don't have any professional teams out there. Yeah, and it's one of the things, though, I, to my rec- recollection, I always think of Iowa people as Chicago people. I think one of the most famous people, at least currently, from Davenport is Seth Rollins of the WWE. Sure. Famously a Bears fan, loves the Cubs and all that stuff. So I always kind of consider Iowa part of the market. And I don't know how my dad got into it exactly, because mm-hmm. I guess he probably could have gone a number of different ways, although there wasn't a football team in St. Louis when he was growing up because he was a uh, – because the, the Cardinals were in right in uh, Chicago. Sure. And the Cowboys were probably not even no, – there weren't even a Dallas Cowboys. So I guess he didn't have much of a choice. But <laughs> thankfully – and he was still in Illinois, so it wasn't like he was in Iowa. But thankfully, sure. he did make the right, the right decision. Yeah, I um, another guy from uh, from Davenport that I was surprised to find out when I first went to school out there was Roger Craig. Roger Craig is oh, right. Davenport, Iowa, born and bred, and because uh, uh, one of the casinos when I when I first went out there, one of the casinos was named after him, Roger Craig's Lady Luck uh, Casino. It's now the Isle of Capri, but it uh, one of the casinos had his name on it when I first went out there. Well, that's interesting, although, you know what? I wouldn't allow – I'm like, but, bro, you went and played at Nebraska. Like, no, your name is (laughs) off the casino now. Like, what is that? You're not not completely Iowa born and bred because you did leave to go play for the – I don't know if you can say rival Cornhuskers because they were big eight back then, I would imagine. Did you go to USC? Am I getting – who, Roger Craig? Yeah. Wasn't he a, a Cornhusker? I th- I thought he was a Trojan. Somebody's gonna get super mad at us, <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna leave a comment, and they're gonna be like, "You guys are the biggest idiots." Yeah, you're both stupid. <laughs> I thought he I'm went to USC. Confident. I guarantee you, he did not go to USC. Okay, because he would be mentioned with all those great USC running backs like Marcus true, Allen, true, and true. all those guys, Reggie Bush, of course. I'm pretty sure it's Roger. I'm pretty sure it's Nebraska, and it makes sense. Kind of a Midwest guy, but it is kind of a slap in the face to leave the Hawkeyes and Hayden Fry to go play for Tom Osborne's Cornhuskers. Yeah, even though Nebraska was a bigger program, much. Nope, you're right, Nebraska. You're oh, right, Nebraska. You. Nailed it. Huh? Nailed hey, it. Rank knows some stuff. <laughs> I know that people on the internet like to tell everybody that I'm a buffoon. And they're probably correct. Well, let's uh, let's uh, let's take that segue, if if you'll allow me, Adam. Uh, a lot Wait. of people uh, th- cause are um, calling you a buffoon when you started doing these the state of the franchise videos, where you were naming everybody's right. uh, record. And I've had a few on on my show because I just finished a series of shows that I call opponent previews, where we basically just go down the schedule. And each of the Bears' opponents, I have somebody, a representative of the team, a blogger, a podcaster, what have you. Uh, my Broncos gal, not happy with you at all, because <laughs> uh, oh didn't you nail? Didn't you pin them to like two and fourteen or something like that? 
whatever. It's last place. <laughs> what it comes down to, and I didn't give them a favorable record because one of the things that I did, and this is this was a one of the ways that I attacked it. I think a lot of people will look and they'll be like, "Well, the Broncos will win eight games, or the Raiders are going to win six games," and you just kind of sit there and pick. Which of those, I'm going to find the six games. And you kind of work in reverse engineer it that way. But I didn't want to do it that way. And so I went through and I we, we pulled up this program and we went through week to week. And you're like, okay, who's winning this game? This team or this team? And you're like, I'll take them. And I'll take them. And I wasn't really thinking about like, well, I need to give them more wins. I was like, who is the better team in this matchup? Now I have spent 75,000 words writing state of the franchise pieces for NFL.com. So I've done my research mm-hmm. and I go, well, I think this team's better. I think I like this coaching staff better. I like this or I like that. And you got to a couple of them and a couple of them were a surprise of teams that I like didn't hate what they did right. or didn't hate their, you know, certain parts of it. Like it was Tennessee kind of surprised me. I'm like, Oh, I have kind of a bad mark on them. Washington, Washington kind of stood out because no matter how bad the Redskins are, they're never completely miserable. Mm -hmm. Like, they always find a way to compete, and they're always closer. And Denver, of course, was one of them as well. And so our producers are like, hey, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to switch these around, and do you want to kind of, you know, try to give them some more wins? And I'm like, I don't want to do that because that's not how I feel. Mm -hmm. Like, I could do it because it looks weird, and it's like never in NFL history of this 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 many teams finished with just two wins. And I'm like, but at the same time, you know, like I, I, that's how I feel. Like, I don't, I don't want it to be something that I'm trying to concoct in a, in a laboratory. I'm like, I'm sorry. I look at the Broncos schedule. I don't think that they're better than a lot of the teams that they're going to play. Now, obviously I, I'm giving higher marks to the Raiders. I have more confidence in them and, you know, I think the a team like the 49ers, you're in a tough spot playing in a division with the Rams and the Seahawks. Some of the a- NFC South teams are in a little bit of a pickle. I think the Viking fans always, they want to believe that their team is way better than they think they are. Like, bro, have you not watched what it's like? You're one of those, bro, like it's over. Like you, your mother's closed the window. It's time for you to go to bed. Like you, I'm sorry you spent that much money on Kirk Cousins. But it's not happening for you. Yeah. And so I, you know, and it is one of those things like I will take the slings and arrows. Like if you want to sit there, like if the Broncos finish six and ten, and if you want to sit there and take a victory lap and be like, well, we are three times better than what you thought, you're like, okay, fine, you can have that. But if they finish in last, well, then who was who was correct in that one? Right. And actually, some kid on Instagram was like, oh, that would be a split. I'm like, well, that's basically what it is. I mean, it's harsh to see it, but I'm like, I'm not changing it. Like, I don't want to fake this. And I know a lot of, and then, you know, and you see it, you watch a lot of these people, like they're afraid. People are afraid to go out on a limb and be like, yeah, I don't think this team's going to be very good. Like, I think it's just not going to break well for them. I think like with a team like Tennessee or a team like, let's take Denver. Now you got Vic Fangio, who we all love as defensive coordinator of the Bears. He's never been a head coach. Right. Like that's, I mean, why is that? Why has he never been a head coach? And now he's 60 years old in a game that's getting younger. Quarterbacks are getting shorter and more mobile, and they went with the oldest rookie head coach possible 
They went with the least mobile quarterback they can find. Like, Ryan Tannehill was too athletic. We're like, let's find somebody a little less athletic. Like, you're, <laughs> it's a taller version of Case Keenum. And yeah. then they draft the quarterback. So what happens when this team starts to lose or what they can't move the ball or yeah. anything like that? Like, those defensive teams, like, people can always get into that and be like, well, the defense. Are okay, yeah, but those defenses, if they're on the field for too long, it becomes frustrating. Like, the Bears' defense under the last year of John Fox was yeah, pretty good. I was just thinking. But it was so frustrating. Yeah, 2017 that Bears, yeah. Ended, that their record ended up being worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that was something that we saw on a regular basis uh, with the Bears. Like, I, I still count that victory over Carolina to be a miracle with, uh, yeah. you know, the, the Eddie Jackson, you know, touchdowns were the difference in the game, but it's like Trubisky attempted seven passes in that game. The offense was on the field for less than 40 snaps. The Panthers were on the field for almost 80, and somehow the defense held on to only three points, and we walked away with that game. It's like it was an absolute miracle that it turned out that way, and every other game in the season that was like that went the way that it should have where the event where the defense eventually broke down and had and the levy broke and then the the opponents would start to score against our offense and we had nothing no totally and there was no chance of ever coming back or doing anything like that right so i mean if somebody good no but there's a lot of teams that are in that kind of situation where you look at like tennessee they've got a you know, they got to figure out what they got in Marcus Mariota. You know, they brought in Ryan Tannehill because obviously they're worried about that. And the defense is good. Like, the defense is good. But now they've got a new offensive coordinator. They promoted Arthur Smith. Who knows what he, who knows what he's bringing? Like, it's cool that he's been there. He's been the one consistent force with Marcus Mariota, but he's never called a play in the league. So, you know, sometimes these teams, like, it would be it would have been fun just to pick everybody to go 8-8, eight and eight. Maybe throwing a seven and nine for somebody, a nine and seven for somebody else, and try to play it safe that way. But the internet's always going to be mad at you no matter what. So you can't let that thing kind of sway you one way or the other, and you just got to do your thing. Yeah, because the the internet is such a super cool place to share your opinions. I mean, we we found that over time, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> the best opinions come from the internet. Yes, so. especially on Twitter. Twitter is a great place for yeah. that too. So, I found that people are getting meaner on Instagram, which is weird. Which really? Is, but it, it kind of sucks because it's the younger guys. Like, why are you so angry? You're fine. Like, <laughs> go away. And it's so weird, too. Like, when people get upset about predictions, yeah. like, like your predictions are her- – or they'll say things like, your predictions are terrible. Like, how do you know that? Like, it hasn't happened yet. It's like calling up your local pizza place being like, hey – you got my order wrong. You're like, oh, really? When When was this, sir? Uh, July 27th. Oh, of last year? No, in two weeks. Yeah. I just, I'm just predicting that you're going to get it wrong. Like that's, ba- that's basically what they're doing, and it's like, let it play out. Like I'll, I'll wear it if I'm wrong, but let it at least be wrong first. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely uh, agree with that, and, and it's. You know, like when you came out and you said that you'd be shocked if the Bears didn't make it to the Super Bowl uh, this year. I'm sure that you got you got hit from both sides when you made that announcement on on uh, was it Good Morning Football when you said that? That was Good Morning Football, and I would be shocked 
if they didn't because, you know, you look at the way the team is constructed and you – I mean, obviously – I have a little bit of bias, but I'm trying to be as objective as possible. And you know what? I I would literally be shocked if they do not make the Super Bowl. Now, if something happens, there always can be some unforeseen things Mm -hmm. uh, that happen during the course of a season. But, I mean, all things being relative, everybody staying healthy, it would be a shock if they don't go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely on board because I'm, I'm the person that's been saying since before 2018 started, this was the team I was waiting for, the 2019 uh, team. And I actually just watched the video where you were telling Kyle Brandt that you would be shocked. They were like it was you know, a full off season in OTAs for Khalil Mack, no holdout for Roquan Smith, year two in this system for Trubisky, not only in the system itself, but with the guys that were brand new to him last year. He's got a second go-round with Anthony Miller, with Allen Robinson, with Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, and all these guys are going to become second nature with each other. This was the team that I wanted to see play. You know, I like 2018, I was super excited about to see how those new pieces were going to work. 2019 was the season I was waiting for to see how they'd work after they were familiar with each other. Yeah, and you also brought in a running back who's probably better suited to work in this offense, somebody who's going to give us a little bit more versatility as a receiver out of the backfield. And I never was one of those guys who piled on to Jordan Howard or anything like that, but it was obvious that he was going to be a better fit for some other team. But he still got 250 carries last year, so now – you know, David Montgomery comes in. If he gets a number similar to that, where it could really pay off is where, you know, moving the sticks on those short plays, like just extending drives, just keeping the defense off the field. Some of that also comes on to Mitch Trubisky as well. Mm-hmm. But if that's an area where David Montgomery could help keep them on the field, because I believe they were 19th in third down conversion, which was not great, but if they could really improve upon that, I think that they would end up, you know, that defense could end up being better for a lot of the reasons you just laid out. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that's why I was looking forward to to seeing this team uh, out there. And that was even before the, the whole thing with Jordan Howard kind of manifested itself throughout the season. I mean, there was there was talk about trading Howard before last year, and everyone just thought that, that sounded crazy like who how do we know he's not a fit in Nagy's offense he having like you said with the predictions how do we know he doesn't work we haven't seen him in the offense yet how do we know what Nagy yeah. has planned for him and everything and then slowly but surely those that were saying those things before the season it just became more and more apparent that you know Tariq Cohen fits like a glove Jordan Howard you know square peg round hole kind of thing yeah, that was one of the hills I kind of was bummed out that I that I really died on, where I was like, no, 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 Jordan Howard's going to be great. But, you know, over the course of the season, you're like, yeah, we could probably use somebody else there. <laughs> and, you know, the comparisons for David Montgomery are, of course, Kareem Hunt and his versatility. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that, you know, everybody's always acting like, where are these, where are these carries going to come from? You're like, Jordan Howard, again, yeah. carried the ball 250 times last year. I think David Montgomery is going to find a way to fit into this offense. Yeah, I agree. I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to see it. The, what I've been hearing from the beat writers is uh, that pretty much that he pops off the page basically in in those OTA practices. And granted, there's no pads, there's no hitting, there's but there's just something extra that he's doing. Like they're just noticing a spark from him that they haven't seen, and something they saw similar to Tariq Cohen in his rookie season. Like, yeah, we might have something with this guy. They're talking about him and Riley Ridley 
uh, in that way as far as the that they were making their mark in, in OTA practices. No, absolutely. I thought Riley Ridley was a absolute steal in the fourth round. And now it, it, it's not really a question of whether Mitch Trubisky has enough talent around him. I think that's that's been answered. This is one of the one of the deepest offensive teams that I can think of for the Bears for quite some time. And really it's it's up to Mitch and it's up to him to kind of work on some of the things that he struggled with over the last couple of years. And he needs to make that next step, and I believe that he can do it. I'm with you. I, I definitely believe that he can because he doesn't seem to me to be the kind of guy that makes the same mistake twice or at the very least learns from the mistakes that, he, that he's made. And you, know, you just don't uh, see him stumble over it too much. And I just get the, the sense from what I hear um, you know, from the insiders and such that he, I think he just cares too much to, to keep getting worse at this. Yeah, and there was a pretty good breakdown. I wish I could remember the guy's name. I was watching the video today on YouTube, but it's probably one that Bears fans have seen where somebody was giving a pretty honest assessment about Mitch Trubisky and, and how frustrating he can be as uh, as a quarterback to some evaluators because he makes some mistakes. You're like, what are you doing? Like yeah. You're leaving a lot of throws out there. And I think one of the examples was from the, 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 uh, the wild card game Mm-hmm. where in the fourth quarter with six minutes left, you know, the the uh, the Bears are running their basic sets, and he doesn't even look Allen Robinson's way, who was wide open. And if he would have just made the right read on uh, Tariq Cohen, saw that he was bracketed, Allen Robinson was wide open right at the end of his drop back. He could have nailed that throw first down. You keep the chains moving, perhaps even move down and score, and then you don't have to worry about philadelphia rallying or moving down the field but when mitch was back out on the field with a minute left to go in the game same play similar play they didn't send Tariq cohen in motion but similar concepts Allen robinson runs the same route and mitch makes one of the best throws of his career yeah and gets the bears down at the field goal range and that's a good example of hey he went in and corrected his mistake he went in he looked at the he looked at the you know polaroids polaroids what am I ninety? Um, he looked at the he looked at the he looked at the photos, and was like, "Oh, I should be looking for Allen Robinson if the defense is doing that." He went out, made the proper read, and then he was able to hit him. And I, I think a lot of his problems that, and of course, I'm I'm gleaming this information from the guy who actually went through and looked through all the tape, where they're talking about his hips, and they're talking about you know, hey, when you when you're throwing the ball, you know, don't rely so much on your shoulder. Make sure you're not dragging your hip and you're doing this. And if some kid on YouTube is pointing this out. I'm pretty confident that Matt Nagy is also making these same observations. Right. And these are the kind of things that he's working on. So that'll be one of the things that we can look at during, uh, during training camp and during the preseason games, although they play very limited in, in preseason games, but that'll be something that we can look at and see, you know, is this guy going out there and, and correcting these problems and, and making these throws and, you know, I, will he be the guy who throws for 5,000 yards like, you know, Pat Stadford? Maybe not. But at the same time, he he seems like a winner because one of the takeaways was yeah. that Mitch always plays better in the fourth quarter. His passer rating in the fourth quarter is much higher than it is in the second. And if you give me a guy who's clutch, a guy who's going to make big plays in big moments, I would rather have that guy 
especially with the Bears' defense, as opposed to somebody who's just throwing for 5,000 yards and he's great for your fantasy team. No, I definitely agree. It's Brett Coleman is his name, the the guy that made the the video. I've actually had him on the show before. He's a friend. So uh, I, I've, okay, I I apologize. Oh, not at all. I just uh, I I know Brett. So we uh, and I, I'm actually trying to get him on the show to talk to him about that uh, video and the one he made about Eddie Jackson, where he was making a case for Eddie Jackson to be defensive MVP of the league uh, last year. Okay. I mean, talk about somebody who well, blazed the trail him. last year. Yeah. So uh, he's yeah. he's like Eddie Jackson might be the best defensive player in the league with the way that he's playing and the way that he broke it down. It's like, you know, Eddie's a genius, an absolute genius. He makes the right read every time, and he's got the athleticism to pull it off and and all of this. He's very good at what he does with those videos. He's outstanding. At he used to work at the network, I believe. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he did actually. Well, then I apologize for being a jerk and trying. I'm not trying to brush him off. No, no, no. I know. Like some nobody. I mean, I I'm sorry if I if it came out that way. But no. my point is, like, I'm sure the coaching staff is on this, and hopefully yeah. that is one of the keys that they're working on. Yeah, absolutely. And I I I think that um, that maybe correcting that problem is the night and day difference that the defense the defense keeps talking about because they keep saying that the difference between last year one in this offense and year two with Mitch is, is night and day. It could be that he's reading things better and that he and uh, Nagy have been working on those fundamentals to get his hip more involved and the ball's coming out of his hand a lot more accurate than it used to. Yeah, you know, and, and one of the things that's fair to point out too, and I again, I, I agreed with the guys with his assessment. I wasn't, I wasn't triggered. I wasn't anything. I'm like, okay, this is all valuable information. But you also have to understand is that is that Mitch hasn't had a lot of experience playing quarterback. He was a one-year starter at North Carolina. He, When he played as a rookie under John Fox, he barely got an opportunity to throw the football. So a lot of these, a lot of these knocks that I'm hearing about Mitch are a lot of the same things that I heard about Jared Goff last year and, and going into last season, like, oh, this guy's never going to get it. Like, he's a little flukish, and then he went out, had a pretty – Pretty great season, but I think the thing that separates Mitch over Goff is what we talked about is, like, Mitch is so clutch in the fourth quarter, never seems to get rattled. And I and I know your friend was talking about, like, you know, when he turns his brain off and just goes out and plays, he's amazing. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I think that's what, something they're going to work on. And that, that comes from playing the game with a lot of repetition, where you're not thinking about it too much, where you're not – you're just – you're just out there reacting. You don't have to think about it too much. And you know what? Sometimes you're going to miss a read, and sometimes you're going to make a mistake. And, you know, that's one of the things about breaking down film is like, yeah, you know, we can really drill down and find it. Like, I, w- I remember last year, was it the, the Patriots and the Steelers, and Tom Brady made an interception that was so inexcusable. Yeah. And you're like, you know, Tom Brady still goes out there and makes mistakes like this. And it's like I, but, but again, I would rather have that clutch guy. I would rather have the guy whose whose knock is he only plays good when it matters the most. Like, okay, I'll take it. That's fine. I mean, it would be nice to uh, to see him run up the score in the second quarter like that Buccaneers game last year. Right. But I'm still pretty good with a guy being super clutch. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely. I mean, they certainly made things interesting last year, which is why I I was you know so. Devastated when we ended up losing that game to to Philly. I, I wasn't done watching that team play 
yet. So watching the, the you know, with Parkey and the field goal thing and, and that not working out and uh, losing that game, it really wasn't so much that the season was over and we don't get to go to the, you know, deeper into the playoff. I wasn't done watching that team play yet. And I think that's another reason why I'm looking forward to 2019 is like I get to see the team play again. No, for sure. I mean, that was the thing. They were, they were an entertaining team. And I would, I mean, I even remember going into that game against Philadelphia. And I famously said, I said, you know, if they beat the Eagles, they're going to the Super Bowl because yeah. nobody, nobody's going to stand in their way. They're, yeah. they're going to be, they're going to be the Rams. That's not going to be close. They don't want to see them. We saw what the Patriots did to them. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't have been close. They would have beaten the Saints. I have no doubt about that. And so I was very confident that they just needed to get over that first hurdle against a team. Like if I even almost believe that if Carson Wentz was the quarterback of the Eagles, the Bears would have ended up winning that one. But that's that's another story for another day. But I, I again, it was just a it was just a ball hawking defense and just the for me, you know, it was a throwback to the not necessarily the the '85 team. But those 06 teams with like guys like sure. Mike Brown who are just out there making huge plays and, and those fun teams. And I think that this momentum is going to keep going. Yeah. Do you have a favorite team in the, for the Bears? Like, well, like if you narrowed it down to one season, which one do you think would rank uh, above the rest? Trying to think. Actually, the year, the, the loss – the year losing in New Orleans, I thought was was a really good team. I mean, there was I because I I know because my dad always talks about you know or was always talking about like oh the Bears left so many titles on the field in the eighties because you know McMahon got hurt in eighty six, mm-hmm. the screw up in eighty eight, or even in eighty seven. Yeah. You know, during the strike year and like there's these things and I'm like you know what. I go, I kind of felt that way about the the aughts, you know, the 05 and 06 and 04 and stuff like that. Like, there were some years, like one year, like Mike Brown would get hurt or something would happen, and there was always one little thing. And it, it, those were just my, my sweet spot for the Bears. Like, I can't really – like, I wasn't enough – you know, I wasn't into it enough to really try to glom on to talk about. Although 88 was kind of cool, but – you know, that's when I'm really starting to come around and come hyper aware. Although I still kind of like the Rams back then. The Rams had Dickerson. So it was, it was a weird time for me as a young man. But I think like that Super Bowl team, especially with Devin Hester, mm. easily my favorite. And just the whole, the whole way that broke out. And I remember we used to go, and we would watch the games and we would play this game called Pass the Cup. And everybody would throw a dollar into this plastic cup. And if you were holding the ball when a score was made, uh, a touchdown or a field goal, you would get the money that was in the cup. It was like 17 bucks. There were 17 of us. Okay. And I remember nobody wanted nobody wanted this cup to open the Super Bowl because you never want it on the kickoff. Like, that's garbage. My wife was smart enough. She's like – she was my girlfriend at the time. Wait, mm-hmm. was she my wife? No. She was my – no. She went, no. no. Yes. Shame on you, Adam. No. Yes. Whatever. Um, either one, it doesn't matter. Same girl though. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But she was like, you know what? I'll take that cup on the opening. And then she had it. And of course, Devin Hester did his thing. Right. I thought they were going to kick the ball out of bounds or do something, do something Tony Dungy like, but then I guess he kicked it to Devin Hester. So that was Tony Dungy like, and he did his thing. 
thought that game was over. I'm like, we got a lead on Peyton Manning in a big game. Like, there's no way we lose this one. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, oh, I forgot. Rex Grossman was our quarterback. Right. My bad. My bad, everybody. That was, that was on me. Yeah, the, the the 06, that was a great team. I mean, a lot of fun, like you said. Um, there were two guys that I think would have made all the difference in that Super Bowl, and Mike Brown being one, Tommy Harris being the other. He got hurt oh, late yeah. in the year, missed the entire uh, playoff run, and we made it to the Super Bowl without those guys. Imagine what we would have done had Mike Brown been there. I mean, for starters, Reggie Wayne isn't running wide open down the middle of the field because Daniel Manning bit on the fake to Dallas Clark, and we just left the all-pro future Hall of Fame Reggie Wayne wide, wide open down the middle of the field for the first touchdown that the Colts end up scoring. Now they're back in the game, and the rest is history from there. Yeah, I've asked Reggie Wayne that, and he won't, he won't go along with me, but I'm like, you understand <laughs> if Mike Brown was playing that that ball's intercepted? <laughs> like, you understand that. I'm like, I'm not saying that it would have been a pick six, but he would have intercepted it, and something crazy would have happened. Yeah, you guys would have started slipping. Like you would have been pissed at Peyton Manning again, like you probably always were. But he will never say that. He's like, "Oh, we would have beat them." They were running Lovey's D, or they were running the Dungy, you know, Tampa two defense. We had that all figured out. I'm like, "Did you? Did you?" <laughs> I don't. Th- and by the way, and another thing too that always bothers me is that New England was up what twenty one to nothing. Yeah. In the AFC championship game. Yeah. Well, the, the New England shouldn't have even been there. And this is another thing that I love to tell Reggie all the time is I'm like, you realize that if Marlon McCree would have just fallen down, just fallen down, Chargers beat the Patriots finally. They get over that hump. They would have beat you by 40. Like, that, my prediction for that game would have been like Chargers 47. Peyton Manning throws like two touchdowns at the end. Okay, it would have been 30-something. Peyton would have thrown two touchdowns at the end. and then But the Chargers would have beat you by 50, and then the Bears would have beat the Chargers. Right. Actually, I don't know about that. Yeah, that, I don't know. LaDania might have been tough to stop in the rain. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I might be too far out over my skis on that one. I think they would have beat New England. Eh, yeah. I don't know. Actually, no, because I thought, honestly, legitimately, I thought the Colts. I'm like, oh, thank God. Thank God it's the Colts. Yeah. <laughs> Playoff Peyton, here he comes. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. We did it to ourselves. We shot ourselves in the foot uh, for that one. Yeah. So, I mean, in, 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 all, all the way to the end until that last uh, until that last touchdown where, uh, where Grossman threw the pick six. That was – we were in the game right until right up until that happened, so – I was still convinced. I'm like, they score, and Peyton's got to go out there and do something heroic. That's that's not going to happen. Yeah. And so, I know that it seems like I'm bashing Peyton too much because I am. Is that right? So where does Peyton rank for oh, you? I, am. I know. It's it's off-brand for me to be making fun of Peyton Manning. But I just – listen, I just point out the facts. I'm sorry. I can't spin that narrative. I know – like, it was always funny to me. Like, Peyton was like, I don't know who started that narrative. Oh, you know who started it? Pro Football Reference. When they listed your playoff statistics, they were the ones who started the narrative. Huh. But that, that's neither here nor there. I'm just a bitter Bears fan, apparently. Right. So where does, where does Peyton rank all time for you? I don't know. Probably top 40 somewhere of quarterbacks. Top 40? 
You don't think he's a top 40 quarterback? Explain to me why he's not in the top 40. I think he's number one. The best? Okay. What I think he's, what is, what's the conversation? Who's the best quarterback of all time? It's not Peyton Manning. It's not Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. It's not. <laughs> it really isn't. I, my, it really is. my argument is you could put Peyton on Brady's teams and still win those championships. You p- couldn't put Brady on the other team and win. Are you camp. sure about that? I'm positive. Peyton Manning in those snowy conditions, like he would have been an average quarterback. Peyton Manning he with wouldn't. that offensive line blocking for him, having the time that Brady had to make those throws. If you go back and look at those AFC championship games, he made a lot of those bad throws because Belichick's defense was kicking the crap out of that offensive line. Listen, that offensive line had guys like Jeff Saturday and quality players. Like, you look at that Patriots offensive line, it's not like they they were, you know, world beaters. Logan Mankins got traded to, what, Tampa Bay? Yeah. Never heard – like, that's the thing is that they went over and they got – you know, moved on to other teams, and they weren't anything great. I mean, Brady, I mean, I know it's, you know, part of it, I, I get the system argument, but to me, Brady's making those throws. Like, there, there are mistakes that Peyton makes in big moments that are just his fault. Like, that's it's just the way that it is, and I understand. Like, it wasn't – and it wasn't like they were just losing – to the Patriots every year. They were losing to the Chargers quite a bit as well. Yeah. They, you know, they had some other things go their way. Like Pittsburgh was getting over on them. Like there were plenty of times and there were plenty of mistakes to go around. Peyton, it's, come on, do not do this. You want to go, you want to go Joe Montana? Yeah. Breeze? Sure. Breeze has at least done it for two different teams to show like, I could go to another team and do it. Well, so did Manning. Did he? Denver and uh, well, I mean, not when they won the Super Bowl, he but lost, in in 2013. He lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, he did. When they asked him. Oh yeah, the, you know, there's the perfect example. When they asked Peyton Manning to go out and win a Super Bowl, what happened? Like I remember standing there at MetLife Stadium. I was actually standing next to somebody from the KOO, KOA radio station. Peyton Manning backed up in his own end zone. And I said, the most Peyton Manning thing that could happen right now is for him to throw a pick six to open this Super Bowl. And then he lets the ball go over his head. I'm like, or that. <laughs> I'm like, game over. Congratulations. He's not rallying this team. You could tell when he was walking into the stadium, you're like, there are a lot of places in this world he would rather be than right here because this is not where he wants to be. Oh, and then Tom Brady comes up against that same defense and throws for like 900 yards against them the following year. Same defense. Oh, there's Tom Brady out there carving them up. Peyton Manning, did he even throw a touchdown? I mean, to his own team, not to the – I think he did throw one. I think he did throw one. Okay. I stand corrected then. Just, just one, though. Yeah, it was uh, – Just one. Yeah. That was, uh, that was not a pretty game. I'll give oh, you that. He never, he never won a – like Peyton never won a Super Bowl. He was on two. He was on two teams that won Super Bowls, hmm. but he never won a Super Bowl. Tom Brady has won Super Bowls. Interesting. That's my. Th- okay. Well, speaking of uh, of rankings, you're a big Madden guy, and the headlines being made today with the the, the Madden rankings coming out, and you know, do you think that the like the players react to them? Like, do you find that they're often 
like the rankings themselves? Do you think that they're often too low or too high? Because never, there isn't a player in the league that's ever happy with his ranking. I think Khalil Mack's got to be happy with his ranking sure. in 99. Yeah. I'm sure he's cool with that. Like He's going to probably walk up to Mitch and be like, what are you talking about? Like I think they're spot on. <laughs> I love what these Madden people are doing. They know exactly how to evaluate talent. Who would question them? Right. But every every player thinks that he's rated too low because they're you know these players have a different life than us. Mm-hmm. Like we've gone through life with people being pretty honest with us, telling us that we suck when we do, and you're not very good, and yeah, this or that. I remember a minor league manager one time telling me that I didn't look good in a baseball uniform, and if I could get off the field, he'd appreciate it. And you're like, okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, these guys have been you know heroes since birth obviously the best athlete in their elementary school junior high high school all that stuff mm-hmm. so when somebody comes out and they're like yeah you might not be as good as this person they're like what this never has happened to me before this is outrageous so you know and i understand everybody's having a lot of fun with the mitch trubisky ranking yeah but to me it was the perfect ranking because mitch trubisky is madden rating 75 Kyle Long wears 75 like his dad Howie right who played for the Raiders who were coached by John Madden the Raiders won a Super Bowl in New Orleans the Bears won Super Bowl 20 in New Orleans hence Bears are going to the Super Bowl boom (laughs) done wow that was impressive uh I like that I'll I'll take it for sure if that is the end result and that's the logic that got us there uh, I'll take right? it, you know, I see them working. Have you, have you heard about like the numerology surrounding this season for the bears? I mean, obviously it's 100 seasons for the bears, but it's been right. 34 years since we last went to a super bowl. And of course, 34 is of huge course. significance, uh, for Chicago. Uh, the day of the super bowl is Papa bear Hallis's birthday. Right. So it's like, it's written in the stars that this is supposed to be our year. It's our 100th celebration, 34 years since we last won the title. The game itself is taking place uh, in on Papa Bear's uh, birthday. The only thing that would have been more poetic if it was actually being played in New Orleans, but instead, it's going back to the to the scene of our of our of our last Super Bowl appearance in Miami to right that wrong. Yeah, it's a, it's a chance to avenge ourselves. We've right. already conquered New Orleans. We don't need to go conquer it again. Right. So, but yeah, Although those it would have are, been a lot of fun, but whatever. Right. So, but that's some of the things that have kind of turned into where it seems preordained that this is going to happen uh, for the Bears this year. One hundred percent. I'm with you. So, did you get a chance to look at the top 100 Bears list when it came out last month? I did, and it's not a it's not an easy task because no. it's always hard to really compare eras and things like that. And well, how good was Bill George? Was he better than Buck? Like I've never even seen tape of Bill George. I'm taking word of mouth and like, okay, he sounds like he was pretty good. Like, okay. But yeah. and even then, like and even a lot of the stuff that you see of Buckus or Gail Sayers, like you see limited, you see limited, you know, footage of it. And you're like, well, this looks pretty impressive, but you know, I've seen, limited footage of Kalen Balaj where you're like, he looks like the best player I've ever seen in my life. But I'm again, like they're, they're hall of famers, no doubt. 
But it's like, oh, it's kind of hard to judge these things. I'm always going to be more biased. Like, I'm always, you know, my dad's going to sit there and tell me that Mike Singletary is the best linebacker ever. And I'm like, bro, it was, you know, it was uh, Brian Urlacher, you know, and I, I always love to put Devin Hester much higher on any list mm-hmm. than a lot of people. So it's interesting to me and it's good to talk about, but I don't, because I know so many people get mad at me for so many different reasons that I try not to slay the people who are putting themselves out there and trying to create a difficult list like this. Yeah, I thought it was, what? I thought the, the point of the whole list, to be honest with you, was more of a conversation piece than, than actual likes. Uh, you know, trying to be scholastic and, and trying to choose who made it, who would, who belongs where uh, on the list. Because, like you, with trying to say that somebody that was uh, a top player back in the tool, like ranking Red Grange ahead of anybody who's played football in the last thirty years, seems ridiculous uh, to me. But you know, the list I think served its purpose because it was all anyone could talk about when it came out. That's exactly why we do these things in the offseason. So you have something to bitch and moan about and be like, well, this is garbage. What a clown. You know, who's the clown who did this? You know, those kind of things, which, you know, and it's and it's fun and it's good fodder. And it was good to have these conversations because I work. We, we have an, an inordinate amount of Bears fans who work at the NFL Network, and it's all we talked about for weeks. And you could just kind of tell, like, everybody was digging in their heels for their – their player, I always find myself being the Devin Hester guy. Yeah. Who's always making space for him and really trying to stump for Devin Hester and everything like that. But, you know, for the most part, I thought it was a pretty cool list and it was a great exercise to get out there and uh, and just keep talking about the Bears. Yeah. you Have you had a chance to get your hands on one of those 100-year uh, scrapbooks or anything like that? I have not. I'm going to yeah. be in Chicago. And if, if anybody's still listening to me, <laughs> I would like to promote yeah. that I will be at Beat Kitchen in Chicago on July 21st doing a little comedy show, doing a little magic, not magic, but fantasy, doing like a, it's like a variety show for things that I'm good at, which is comedy, fantasy, football. Some say that the two are intersected because my picks are fantasy and, and they're comedy, I should say. There you go. But I'm going to be out there doing that. And I know, like, my wife is sitting there going crazy because we're recording this on Amazon Prime Day. Because she's running up a huge tab. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be I, I don't want to be too upset with what you're doing because I'm going to be coming back from Chicago with a bunch of merch. So yeah. I really don't want to start that fight today and then mm-hmm. have to defend myself, you know, a week from now after I'm at the Beat Kitchen on July 21st. Tickets available now. They're going fast, though. I encourage anybody to go out there. And, and purchase as quickly as possible. But yeah. Doors open at uh, 8, show starts at 9. That is correct. It's a late show, but I feel like Chicago is kind of a late town anyway, so it'll be cool. We'll have fun. Anybody, I feel bad for anybody who's buying the meet and greet because it's like, like I'm not going to not say hello to you if you don't. It was something my manager did, and I was super heated about it. I'm like, why are you doing that? But if you did happen to purchase meet and greet stuff all that means is that i'll be in the fantasy league with you we'll set it up i'll get everybody's emails like even if it's 100 people there won't be 100 people in the league we'll divide it up but like we'll be in a league we'll hang out i'll buy i'll buy the winner of the league some portillos so it'll be a laugh it'll be a good time and uh, fantasy get ready to talk about the bears and all that stuff we'll make fun of aaron Rodgers. it'll be a good time how did the whole thing come together 
Well, it was one of my friends who had the idea, you know, trying to get us booked into comedy clubs across the country, and we kind of threw it out, you know, and we got some invitations for, to some places from, you know, different places here and there across the country. We were looking for a place in Chicago, and then, you know, I'm like, well, you know, it didn't work out at the uh, at the improv in uh, Chicago, which is in Schaumburg. Right. I'm like, oh, well, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, you know, the feet Kitchen reached out to us and said, hey, if you want to come hold it here, we would love to have you. So it's a cool venue. Anybody who's into the music scene in Chicago knows this is kind of a revered place. So for me to be able to get up on that stage is pretty exciting for me. So I'm looking forward to it and uh, should be a good time. So what is it about fantasy football that you like so much? I think it's still the competition, you know, and it's still talking smack with your friends and, and being able to connect that way. Cause I have friends who I grew up with and we went to not only high school, but like elementary school and we've known each other forever. And one of the things we get together for at least once a year is our fantasy football draft. And, you know, it's just one of those things that it's kind of fun and you, you know, you, you try to determine how much, cause it, it is really frustrating at times especially when, you know, you're trying to predict human beings playing a game that's, you know, unpredictable. And But I think it's the camaraderie. It's uh, talking S and uh, getting together with your friends, and that, that's really what makes it. And it's a, it's a cool way to watch football and to have some, you know, an interest in a, in a Bucks-Bills game in uh, December. So it's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I've always uh I've always loved the idea of fantasy football. It promotes league awareness because you you're not you can't just watch your team because who has a fantasy team filled with with their own team's uh players. That's a recipe for disaster for the for the most part. But I can't play the game anymore. I loved fantasy football for all the reasons you just said. Trash talking, getting together with your buddies and the, the draft and and all that kind of stuff. I had to give up the game because I have the worst luck on the planet with it. Because there were, I was in a keeper league with a bunch of guys that I went to college with, you know, and I look forward to it every single year. And the way that we, it was a 10 league te- or 10 team league, the top five uh, guys were automatically in. And then the sixth spot would be given to the person that scored the most points. And that was always me because I was always the guy that could beat anybody in the league except for the person that I was playing that particular weekend. It happened over and over. I would have the second most points in the league, but I would be four and 10 going into the playoffs or, or something like that. It happened to me like it happened to me three years in a row. And I was like, the hell with this. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I understand. It's like, I, I couldn't handle being, being that good at the game and having nothing to show for it at the end of, at the end of the year, because I'm racking up the points, but I have zero victories uh, to show for it. And then at the very end, uh, we broke up our keeper leagues, and I lost Matt Forte and Drew Brees, and that was it for me. I was done after that. So, like, no thanks. I'm well, out. I, well, I understand it. <laughs> I guess I can respect it. And when I have to tell my children that we have to make our own Christmas presents this year because people aren't playing fantasy football anymore. <laughs> I'll come blame you. Okay. You know what? I understand your decision. I mean, it is a great game, and it is a lot of fun. And I, I'd like I said, it does promote league awareness because you have to pay attention to the other teams across the league and, and who's a good pickup and, and who's hot and cold and, and things like that. So it's a great tool uh, for the league to get their, you know, the, get their product out there and 
uh, and everything. And, and that's definitely something that you see around the league uh, these days is the, the, the parody just among fan bases. And a lot of that has to do with, with, with fantasy football and how it's, it's gotten the word of the NFL out there. Yeah, you know, and we keep trying to find ways to reach a younger audience and everything like that. And, you know, people love, you know, games of, not of chance, but like numbers and studying and, and, and going into it. Now it's, it's amazing to look at the amount of research people put into the game and it's promoting people like it, it. It goes beyond just looking at a stat sheet, too. You see people now firing up YouTube videos, watching film breakdowns of players and everything. And it's really cool. And it really is just promoting football and you know what if you've never given a chance to fantasy football even though your luck was terrible <laughs> that's not everybody i would i would encourage nay demand everybody at least gives one fantasy league a shot this year if you could if you care about me and my family otherwise <laughs> you know it, it's all yes because of course adam you're living hand to mouth so that's uh help adam all that you can donate wherever you can care of NFL Network to Adam Rankin and, and help him, him and his Please starving do. family out. So that's yes. great. So before I let you go, uh, Adam, I do understand that you are also a big wrestling fan. Is that correct? That is correct. Do you have a favorite era of, of wrestling that you, uh, that you look back on the most fondly? Oh, of course it's going to be the Attitude Era, sure. the Monday Night Wars. One of the most exciting times to be a wrestling fan. It was cool to be a wrestling fan. It was, you know, you didn't look like such a huge dork running around in an NWO shirt or an Austin 316. And I remember, you know, watching Monday Night Raw and Monday Nitro and just sitting there and absorbing it and just loving every second of it, trying to go back and forth. And, you know, this is back before DVRs were a thing and you'd have a VHS tape and... Mm -hmm. You would tape one, like, do I tape one and just watch it, or do I try? I always felt myself as a perfect kind of maestro where I could go back and forth and not miss any of the key moments and, and still be able to absorb everything and go into school the next day and sit there with your buddies and be like, oh, my God, can you believe that happened? And I can't believe Sting turned on him and all these things. But, you know, and it was before, you know, the Internet – you know, before you knew everything that was going on. So it was, right. you just couldn't wait to see what was happening next. So to me, that'll probably never be duplicated, even though it's a lot of fun right now. And it's a lot of fun to watch so many different wrestling promotions, you know, not only out, you know, the big ones like WWE and New Japan, but like some of the smaller, smaller ones. I know AEW is coming onto the scene. Tony Khan, the, the, the owner of the Jags, it's put together a pretty fine wrestling organization and you know, it's exciting to see that come about. So this is, this is actually another good time to be a wrestling fan. And, uh, but man, it's still going to be, it's still going to be tough to top the Monday night wars. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, agree. I, I was, uh, I was a huge, uh, nerd in, in, uh, as far as wrestling is concerned. And, and the funny thing was, uh, I graduated from high school in, in 96 and, I was I was a huge wrestling fan from the mid '80s and the Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, the Mega Powers and and all of that stuff into the early '90s. And then when I got to high school and started playing football and getting into other sports, I kind of my fandom kind of waned. 
And then once I got into college, I remember I was going over to my dad's house one night. He worked second shift at the time, and he asked me, hey, do me a favor. If you're going to be at the house, uh, I'm recording wrestling. Why don't you record it and cut the commercials out? So basically just pause while the, the it's recording and cut the commercials out. And that night that I watched for the first time was the night after the Montreal screw job. So, no way. Yeah, talk about a night to get back in. I was immediately hooked. Like, what happened last night? And watching everything that unfolded and what they talked about and how it all went down. I wasn't watching the NWO. I wasn't watching Nitro. I wasn't watching anything. But I went over to my dad's place that one night. He asked me to record that episode of Raw, and I was hooked from that night on. I never missed an episode until about 2003. It was must-see TV for me. Oh, wow. What a what an amazing night. Brett screwed Brett and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, that was, that was bananas watching that whole thing unfold. So how far back do you go with wrestling? Oh, like you. Like, mm-hmm. I remember Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man and all those guys. It was one of those things that I always loved as a little kid as well, you know, and it was – I loved the thing. Things that are popular now were not popular when I was a kid. Right. And it was just you – no, know, you know how it goes. We're similar age. Yeah. Like, comic yeah. books were not cool, and now it's the coolest thing ever, Star Wars. Right. I remember this girl named Denise came over to my house, and she was like, hey, what are you watching – and I was stoked because I had Empire on VHS that I was watching. I'm like, I'm watching Empire Strikes Back. She's like, yeah, I got to go. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then my sister told me like later on in life, she's like, that chick was coming over to hang out with you, and you're watching a Star Wars movie. And I'm like, well, I was watching Empire, but whatever. Right. I'm like, nowadays, that's what chicks do. They come over to watch Star Wars movies. So I'm like, damn. <laughs> but it all worked out. I have nothing to complain about. It's all good. Okay, so here's a very important question then. What is the greatest WrestleMania of all time? You know what? Because I was there. You were there, And okay. I was really close to the action. I, I love WrestleMania 30. Wow. Being down in New Orleans. Okay. New Orleans is such a great town. It was really one of the things where the fans made an actual difference Dave Batista wanted to come back. They were going to give him one WrestleMania run and let him do his thing and go back and go make movies. And the fans just said, nope, we're going to make Daniel Bryan the unified champion. We're going to put him over. And even though it was predictable, you knew what was going to happen. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome to be in the building. It was, uh, it was so much fun. And plus it was also the night that the Undertaker's street flaw was, was blown and you're like because you just didn't know like i was sitting down i was five rows from the ring and i remember looking at justin roberts who was sitting there like he didn't know if he was supposed to ring the bell or not like he thought that maybe the referee made a mistake he didn't know like people were legit confused oh i was too and didn't know what was going on i was like oh the ref the ref messed up but no that was that was the way it was supposed to be when that 21 and one showed up on the scoreboard. You're like, Holy Lord. Yeah. This was it. They let, they, they, they let Brock Lesnar beat this streak. That was a good one. I definitely like that one. And I have a similar uh, bias as far as ranking the one that I attended pretty high. I was at WrestleMania 22 in Chicago. Or, I was able to go to, uh, go to that one. The last one that was actually held in an arena. They've all been in 
stadiums and and football stadiums and stuff like that since since then because 23 was in the silver or ford field excuse me ford field and then you know they've been in those ninety thousand seaters ever ever since this was the last one is like the a whopping crowd of about seventeen thousand at wrestlemania uh that night and that was the night that uh triple h was uh wrestling cena and the crowd turned on cena which i was in love with because i hated john cena um ray mysterio beat uh go ahead no, CM Punk was one of his henchmen. He was, yes, he was one of the guys with Tommy guns and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I mean, that was an amazing card. It was, it, it was. I was disappointed that Taker's match that night was with Mark Henry because that was kind of like a casket match. I wasn't really happy with that yeah. one. But that was the night that Foley and Edge had that crazy Extreme Rules match. That's the night that uh, Ric Flair was in the Money in the Bank and he did the suplex off the top of the ladder in the middle of the ring Shelton Benjamin is using the ring as a catapult to shoot himself outside the ring onto crowd I mean it was an amazing amazing event but the correct answer Adam we're both wrong it's not 22 it's not 30 a correct answer of course is 17 the rock in Austin in Houston and the Astrodome and like top to bottom it was probably the best card of all time yeah probably (laughs) all right all right all right all right so, but you're still a big fan now. Yeah, I still watch it. I'm uh, huge into it. We're doing a thing. The NFL fantasy digital show this year is going to be a little bit different. We're going to be playing a thing called Fantasy League One, and the whole digital show is going to be about our league. And we're going to have some celebrity, some celebrity participants. Now, I can't say who it's going to be. But there are going to be a wrestler. There's going to be a wrestler in it. Mm-hmm. And perhaps his significant other. I can't say who it is. Yeah. But I was talking to them today, and they were, they were gung-ho. So barring any sort of unforeseen circumstance, this husband and wife team will be in it. And it's a, oh, it's a okay. wrestling power couple, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. I can't say who it is. Husband and wife kind of took out the guest that I have, but I mean, I, th- I think I know who you're talking about. But husband and wife, you lost me. I don't think that you do, but it's okay. I'll tell you off the air. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So, Adam, before I let you go, this uh, uh, it's been great talking to you, um, having you uh, on the show and everything. And and you think the Bears are going to be thirteen and three this year, according to your state of the franchise um, uh, video or or your uh, your column, I should say. Uh, as well yeah so let's talk about <laughs> i mean i I've, I've fantasized about what this uh what the what the start of the america's game documentary is going to look like a year from now and my thought is that it will begin where 2018 ended like that seems to be like the the pattern or the theme that you see with these America's games. Like you see where this team kind of hit rock bottom and how they overcame it to become the best in the world and they won a championship and, and all that kind of stuff. Who would you pick to right. narrate the America's game for the Bears for 2019? Jeremy Piven. Really? Okay. I like it. Jeremy Piven. You know, he and I went to the same high school. Is that right? Yeah, not the same time, obviously, but me, myself, right. Jeremy Piven, Joan Cusack, John Cusack, they all went to Evanston Township High School. Oh, how, how cool. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little something I thought I might throw at you. Also, Emery Moorhead went to Evanston. 
Well, who would be your pick? Jeremy Piven, that's a solid choice. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, it's not so much even somebody connected to Chicago, but I always liked Alec Baldwin when the ones that he's done. I thought he did did pretty well. I I forget who did the 85. See, it might have been Alec Baldwin. I'm not sure. But uh, I thought that was – Thought it was interesting that that uh, that he did that kind of thing, um, and of course, uh, Leif Schreiber is a, he's hooked into HBO, so we can't get him. So that's too bad. No, yeah, he can't do it. So Adam, thanks so much uh, for for coming on, man. It's been great uh, having you on, and uh, look forward to having you on again in the future sometime. No, that'd be amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. Glad we were finally able to link up, and uh, yeah, for sure, let's do it again real soon. So one more time before we let you go, what's, uh, let's get the info on the Chicago show. I am going to be at the Beat Kitchen in Chicago, July 21st. Tickets are on sale now. Show starts at 9 p.m. Doors open at 8. I'll probably be, you know, milling around the bar all day. I don't do it before the show. That's not my thing. I don't go up there loaded or anything like that. But I'll be hanging out after the show as well. And we can hang out. The bar's open until 2, so we'll probably be there all night. And uh, come out and have a good time, talk some bears. And even if you can't make it to the show, still come by that night. Like, I know if you're like, people work late or whatever, they're like, it's 11 o'clock, should I still go? Yeah, still go. Still show up. I'll probably be there. So, anyways, I, uh, I look forward to seeing everybody there. And, again, thank you very much for having me on. Not a problem. Where are your other shows? Do you have, you, I know you have others after. Where, where else are you going to be? We're going to be in Cleveland, Denver, Kansas City, and then a lot of California dates, San Jose, Oxnard, Ontario, Irvine, Burbank, and then uh, one last show in Las Vegas before the season starts. Nice, Vegas. Not a bad way to finish it. How nuts do you think the draft is going to be in Vegas next year? Oh, it's going to be incredible. I can't wait for it. I'm already... I'm already booking my room. Like, even if they don't send me to work, I still just want to be out there. So now I'm just kind of lurking. Yeah. Looking and seeing, you know, what time the uh, – picking out the best dates and just firing in on my reservation right now. Yeah, I mean, that in. I mean, it's amazing how much the draft has grown in just the last few years since it left Radio City. Just how – No, for sure. With, you know, the just – because there really wasn't much of a fan experience when they were still at Radio City, but when they moved to Chicago and they had those – those events and all that kind of stuff. Then the then after two years in Philly, it was bananas to do it on the stairs where the Rocky statue is. And then this past year in Nashville, six hundred thousand people lined the streets in in Nashville to to be there for for draft night and everything. It's just amazing how much it's grown just in the last few years. And I'm I can't wait to see what they're going to do in Vegas, where excess is the rule. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be pretty incredible. I can't wait. I'm curious to even know where they're going to put it but i'm sure they've got something up their sleeves and man there's so many opportunities i can think of there's so many i i have like thoughts like i would do it here i would use this facility i would do this i would do it here but you know what they'll figure that stuff out and it'll be amazing because the nfl always does great with the events and like you said las vegas never misses so i'm definitely looking forward to it yeah definitely adam thanks so much man i really appreciate it and uh, we'll talk to you again soon All right, that sounds great.
Remember, guys, promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. Oh, wait. Yeah, ACAA is SeatGeek. Bears 100. I got them mixed up. ACAA is SeatGeek. $20 off your first purchase there. Bears 100 uh, for your 50% deposit bonus at my bookie. So I uh, want to thank Adam Rank for, for coming on the show. Uh, like I said, there are a lot of notes left on the table, so we have plenty to talk about uh, the next time that we have uh, Adam back on and, uh, and uh, lots, to, lots to cover there. Like I said, I just uh, I had notes and I had ideas about what I wanted to talk about, and then Adam started talking, and yeah, let's just talk about that, man. Let's go for Who thought we would, in the middle of a Bears podcast, you'd have a Brady versus Manning debate? Who knew? Who knew? But, uh, you know, that's where the conversation went. So that's where I let it go. Uh, and I think we uh, I think we did. We, I think we did good. I think we did good. I had a lot of fun uh, talking to him and, and I look forward to uh, to doing it again sometime uh, soon uh, in the future. Really look forward uh, to that. So thank him again for coming back on the show. Uh, and if you're interested, if you're in the Chicago area or if you're anywhere close uh, to Chicago, he does have the uh, Fantasy Meets Reality uh, comedy tour show. Uh, on Sunday the 21st at the Beat Kitchen uh, in Chicago. You can go to BeatKitchen.com for, for tickets or just search Fantasy Meets Reality. The, tons of stuff came up when I, uh, when I Googled that earlier uh, today. So, But uh, doors open at 8, show starts at 9, and you heard Adam say there at the end, you know, even if you can't make the show, come and hang out afterwards because he'll still be there. So uh, if you just want to meet Adam Rank, head on down to the Beat Kitchen on Sunday the 21st and uh, say what's up. Tell him I sent you. Tell him I sent you. That would be cool if uh, if he passed the message. And like, yeah, a bunch of people said they were there because you told them to show up. So, yeah, let's do that for me. Let's make me look like a big shot. How about that? You guys go and talk to him and tell him I sent you. So, um, anyway, again, thanks to him for, for coming on the show. I had a really great uh, time talking to him. Up next in this little series of interviews that we're going to do before we kick off this 2019 preseason uh, with the Bears and the Panthers on August the 8th, Still got a few weeks before we can get there. Uh, the next interview is the one I am I am definitely looking forward to. Um, you know, all due respect to to Adam Rank and and uh, and the conversation that we had. The one that is coming up next is the one that I'm most looking forward to with Coach Don Patterson, uh, former head coach at Western Illinois University, my alma mater. He was there when I was there, and that's how uh, I know Coach P. Uh, he was also a a, a assistant uh, to. Hayden Fry for almost 20 years, if not exactly 20 years, I think, at the University of uh, Iowa. So we'll talk about his time there under a legendary coach, not to mention the coaching tree under Hayden Fry and all the other coaches that he got to work with while he was on the staff uh, at Iowa. And then the cherry on top, the cherry on top will be uh, one of his final coaching stops after leaving Western Illinois. He just so happened to be on the coaching staff at the same time that Khalil Mack was at the University of Buffalo. So he'll have a, have a, um, a story or two about Khalil to share with us uh, as well. So come for the Khalil Mack stories. Stay for the conversation with, uh, with one of the best people uh, I've ever met in, in Coach uh, Don Patterson. That will be next week. Uh, I'm, I think I'm going to drop that one next Tuesday uh, as well on the 29th. No, no, the 24th, 24th. What am I saying? 23rd. I'm Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Today's the 15th, so a week from today would be the 22nd. 
Tuesday would be the 23rd. Now that I've got my head screwed on straight, next Tuesday, the 23rd, is when the Coach Patterson interview uh, will drop. And then after that, we're going to have Emery Moorhead on to talk to us about training camp. Um, so, yeah, that'll be great. That actually, that episode will actually come out at the end of the week on Friday, uh, the 25th. So I won't make you wait a whole week to hear uh, to hear that one. But uh, we'll talk. Well, I'll drop it on Friday when the uh, when the Bears are actually in camp. the The veterans report on the 25th, and I believe their first practice is on Friday, uh, the 26th. The rookies report a week from today on the 22nd. So even after, uh, so when the Coach Patterson episode drops, uh, the rookies will be in there. Uh, getting acclimated to life in Bourbonnet. The veterans will show up on Thursday, the 25th, and I believe the first joint practice with the whole team is on Friday, the 26th. So we'll have the the, the Emory-Moorhead show drop on the 26th, that Friday. And then the week after that will be Carolina Teague from ESPN in San Antonio to uh, probably have an Adam Rank-style conversation with her as well. Have some idea about where I want that talk to go, but then we'll let Carolina start talking and we'll see where it goes kind of thing. I'm really going to be flying without a net there so we'll see how that uh see how that goes and um i might have one more i might have one more uh before like the week before the bears play uh carol because the bears don't play until thursday on the 8th so i might have something between the carolina teague episode and the first re uh preseason review uh episode after the panthers game so we'll see if i can uh swing that but those are the four that are locked in for now, and that's when you can expect to see them drop. So anyway, I think that is going to do it. So come back next week for Coach Don Patterson and our conversation about many, many things, including our beloved Khalil Mack and what he was like during his time at the University of Buffalo. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.